welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome into another Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me. Joe, let's start with what we got information on this week, and it was the high school football schedule. It came out from VHSL. We will have Patrick Hyde on later to talk about some some individual games, but with you here at the beginning of the podcast, I wanted to hit on kind of like how the schedule looked and our general feelings from seeing how the schedule lays out for these teams. In our area, we have Riverheads and Buffalo Gap in Class 1, just Stewart Straff now in Class 2, as Stanton and Wilson both go up to Class 3, or where Wilson's been at Class 3, um, but now Stanton joins them, Fort Defiance and Waynesboro, have long time been in class three. So they're all there. So it's a little bit different looking of a district, but um, as we get started here, let's just kind of go down from classes, uh, class one, Buffalo gap going down to class one, but they still maintain some uh, relationships with class two schools for their non-district season. And I like that. I like um, their, their games with James river and Lorray. Lorray is a team that they kind of upset last year. That's how uh, I would view that. Everybody thought LeRae was going to be a lot last year, and, and Buffalo Gap showed some weakness in them early. With uh, they, they weren't playing at the level that they thought they were. I like that they have that game back on the schedule, kind of continue that storyline. But then also East Rock, a team that they've been playing in district for years, on the schedule. And then I don't mind the, the Bath County. If you, only have, if you have one pioneer district, uh, especially when you're a Class 1 team, I, I think those that district should be playing. Uh, class one teams from up here in the Shenandoah. So I like their front loaded non-district schedule with all their district on the back end. Uh, I like how their schedule plays out for them. And and I like, you know, the possibilities that that could produce for them. Yeah, I, I think their schedule's fine. I think Buffalo Gap can do well in the non-district schedule. Uh, I don't think they run the table in the non-district schedule, but um, I, I think they'll do fine and they'll win more than they lose in that non-district schedule and then i think in the district you know riverheads and draft are tough but it'll be interesting to see if buffalo gap has enough to to knock off a wilson uh or a or a fort if you want, want to make the playoffs kind of and that and this goes for all the teams uh you just want to win more than you lose in the long run so if you split well, your the season class in one halves, it doesn't matter Yeah, one B, one B. It doesn't matter, but uh, you can set yourself in a good position if if you if you win more than you lose. So you know if they win at least one more than they lose in non-district, win one more than they lose in the district, they'll be sitting in a good spot in the playoffs, and that'll be good for them. Riverheads, I absolutely don't like their schedule. I don't like how it plays for this year and next year. With this year opening with two home games and then no home games again until the week before Halloween, uh, towards the end of October there. The middle six weeks of the season, no home games in that five road games. I I just don't like how that plays out. I you know, they battle getting teams to commit to play them. That's part of it. Um, but even just the home and away here, I, I I wish there was a way that some of these district games, you know, three four straight, excuse me, three straight non-district games there in the middle of the season away. I just wish that could be a little more balanced. And I don't like how that plays a year from now when they'll be just at home in the middle stretch. I like a nice, you know, home and away, home and away, home, home, away, away. I just, I don't like three, even four, and especially five straight games, uh, you know, without mixing it up. Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, I guess, but it's whatever. Um, 
That's just I how mean, the schedule. So you think they'll handle it? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to run the table, but um, we talk about that with Patrick. I I don't think they're going to beat Lord Botetourt, but at Taswell. They beat him here last year in a pretty exciting game, so that'll be an interesting one in the middle of that road trip. Um, At draft is going to be an interesting game. I think they'll be okay against draft this year. Uh, I just think draft, although we said this last year, so maybe, who knows, Coach Floyd's going to have them ready, I'm sure, but they're losing a lot from last year's team to draft, and uh, I just think, I think Lord Botetot at the front end of that is going to be bad. I think Taswell... uh, the third game in that five-game stretch will be interesting. And then they have a week off before they get the two uh, district road games. But uh, I don't right. think they'll have any problem in either of those. That Tazewell game, a 1 o'clock game on a Saturday down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to give a heads up to, to Riverheads fans now. Uh, Tech plays Richmond that day in Blacksburg. So traffic's going to be interesting in the um, AM going down that direction. So I want to leave now. Uh, Stewart's draft class two, the only class two team in the district. Uh, they have, um, some solid games here. I, I don't like playing Riverheads twice. We'll talk more about that later with Patrick, but I, I also similar to Riverheads. I don't like this stretch of four away games to close out their season. Um, I, I, I know they're all local. I know they're all within County lines here. I just, I just don't like that many repetitive games all home all away. And this year for them, it'll be all the way at Gap, at Wilson, at Fort, and then closing at Riverheads. I think if you have any uncertainties down that final stretch where you, you, you know, really want those wins to get a one seed, or even if you're more desperate than that somewhere in the, in the playoff rankings, I, I just don't like that four game stretch away from home. I, I just don't like that for them. I don't know. Cause they're all County games. I, I, I don't worry about it too much. I, I don't think that game – I mean, they have a Riverheads home and a Riverheads away, so I don't think they're going to win either one of those. But I think last year was the year for them to be able to pick one off if they were going to do a home and away. But um, I just – for me, I think the Riverheads games are the only ones they lose and they handle their business in the other games. Fort Defiance moving up to Class 3 their uh, schedule here. They were able to get a lot of Valley district teams for their non-schedule. Uh, I think Liberty Bedford is the only team they're playing on the season who, who they have played in recent years. Um, that isn't from the Valley district or the Shenandoah district, the district they're in now. So I, I like their schedule. I, I like the Valley ties. So it keeps a lot of games closer to home. Um, I like that for Fort Defiance. I like their middle week, uh, mid season buy. they play five games, have a buy and then play five more. Uh, that's something Riverhead schedule also has. Um, so I, overall, I kind of like Fort schedule the way it sets up for them. Um, and I, 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 you know, whether I think, you know, they excel in this schedule or not is is more based on individual matchups in these games. But I, I, I like the way it's balanced and uh, what they're able to do there. Um, I, I like it. I think that opener is a big one for Fort against TA. Yeah. That's the game I look at if I'm a T, if I'm a Fort fan. That'll that'll tell you a lot about your season. I think so too. I don't I I don't think Liberty's a world beater. And then you got Waynesboro and Broadway who haven't you know Waynesboro's down. Broadway poked up last year, but they lose a lot of talent. So um, that I think that front half of the schedule 
will mean a lot for them and that for their class three playoff standings. And then they're going to have to take care of business in, in the district down the stretch and when they play some tough teams. Um, so that'll be that way for them there. Stanton, they were down last year, um, but their schedule this coming year. I, I love the opener between Stanton and Wilson. I just like that local game opening. I think we're so used to seeing like a, like a Waynesboro uh, Wilson game in the openers that I like this other other game here to start the season that's that is two locals that I think somewhat of a measuring stick is Stanton any better I think you'll be able to see that when they're playing Wilson or is Wilson just really solidifying themselves in the upper part of the district and I, I think we'll see one of those answers uh in that first game and and the better Stanton does the better I think they are in comparison to Wilson because I'd come into it I think Wilson's good but if Wilson really does you know enforce their will in that game I'm going to be looking ahead at their schedule and what what else they can do um for for them yeah for Stanton the the Wilson game is important you don't want to get throttled in that game for sure but I think the the next two games are if if Stanton's going to find a win it's going to be in those next two with Covington and Page after that it gets well Waynesboro's on there too so that's that's a possibility that'll be a good game when those two teams play, but that, that page in Covington, because after that it's Rockbridge and then a lot of district and it gets hard for them. Moving over to Waynesboro, the new member of the Shenandoah district. And I think they're really scared. Their schedule really shows that they're a new member to the district. Cause it, it makes them look like an outsider. They play all their district games, the first six weeks of the season, then they have a bye, and then they close out the season with four road trips to Valley District teams. It, it just really feels like it, it, they're an outsider to the Shenandoah District. So I don't really like how that plays. But another way of looking at that is this is a team in Class 3, um, you know, ignoring the fact that they, they haven't been as competitive for playoffs these last couple of years. But, you know, what if they were? And then the year that they did go on a run, we didn't see it coming then either. I, I doubt this is that. But – it really sets them up to be prepared for, for any postseason if they were to be doing that because they're going to be playing Class 3C competition the last four weeks of the season. So if there is any chance of, of that showing itself this year or next year if they or if they keep up this pattern in future years, I just – there is a second way of looking at it. I personally don't like it. I would want to be playing in my district in case there was some kind of vie for district crown, which, I, I again, I'm not projecting for Waynesboro this season – but I just looking at it on the surface, I don't like how this plays out for them. But there is always two ways to look at things. See, for Waynesboro, I think it's going to be a big test, right? And I think those first two games, probably not going to win those two. But I think it's important for Waynesboro to keep their Against confidence. Draft, yeah, they're not. Because if they can keep their confidence after those two games, Fort Wilson Stanton gap, that four game stretch, if they can win three of those. We saw Waynesboro improve as the year went on last year, and they, they were a much better team last year than they had been the previous two years. Sure. So so sure. if Waynesboro can continue that upward trajectory in those four games, I think winning, finding a way to win three, two would be two would be fine, three would be great. Uh, and then I mean after that, you know, if you can pick off a TA or a or a Broadway, you know, I Three to four wins is, is pretty good there for them. Yeah. Wilson, I, I, I already talked about their opener, but I like their schedule. They have um, a little bit of 
you know, class three action here with they got Monticello. So a team from the other side of the mountain in class three C and then also Rockbridge and Spotswood. I didn't realize that they have Western Alamora marked as a class four team now. Um, but I like that for them. I think this is a schedule for Wilson that is kind of testing themselves. And uh, I like, you know, there's, there's, I like the teams that they're playing. I don't like the middle stretch with a bunch of road games. Like I've already said a couple times for team for teams four, excuse me. That's five, five straight road games in the middle of the season. I just, I don't like that. Riverheads has five straight road games. Wilson has five straight road games. I just don't enjoy that for them. But um, I do like the teams that they're playing there for Wilson. Cause I think it, it provides a challenge to a team that we think will be improved this year. I think that's going to give them a chance to prove that against class three competition, which they'll have to face in the postseason. And see, here's what for coach Bugden and Wilson, they've got to be careful of, right? I think that first game against Stanton is a very winnable game for them. Monticello. We'll They're see. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm, I'm just not familiar with what Monticello is going to bring to the table this year. So that could be an interesting game there for them. You go to Rockbridge, which has historically been a very, very tough game. Then this is where great news for Waynesboro, in my opinion. They're kind of a sandwich game on that Wilson schedule between Rockbridge and Spotswood. So Two if they can... Teams looking for a Valley District title. Yeah. yeah, if they can pick off Wilson in between there as, you know, oh, they're looking at a Rockbridge and a Spotswood is two big two big games for them, and they're overlooking us. That's a great scenario for Waynesboro. That's what Wilson's got to be careful of. But even after that... Western Albemarle is going to be tough. And then, yeah, I mean, I the Wilson schedule, I know you're talking about, you know, great, they're challenging themselves. I just Obviously worry. To challenge themselves. I, <laughs> I just worry that that schedule is maybe a little too tough. And maybe. I, a team that looked improved last, uh, last spring, uh, and you hope they can continue that trajectory. Um, yeah, when you have an opportunity to really prove yourself and, and get stronger sometimes if, if it's not going the right way it, it can do the other um yeah they close with you know two class one teams and a class two team well two of those games are, are some of the toughest games they'll have that season so um yeah you you hope they're building confidence to that point but yeah if you like you said if things are going different then it could be very different well I, I know i'm excited for the season that's why i've been looking at the schedule so much this last week i was anxious for it to come out um, there had been a lot of rumors that Riverheads was going to play draft twice. Um, seeing it official was, you know, is the interesting thing. I just, the home and aways and, and start planning our attack to cover in the season, uh, you know, not only for the podcast, but also for, you know, our work for radio and, and what I've done with Riverheads. Like it's, I think it's fun to start planning that stuff for me. So I uh, hopefully everybody else out there can uh, start playing in their Fridays and once in a while here a Saturday in the fall. And uh, we got a lot of, a lot of good football ahead of us. We, we really have good football in this area. And I, I, I'd like, you know, last spring was so draft Riverheads heavy. I'm, I'm interested to see who else can kind of put their hat into the ring of who's a pretty solid football team and who, who has potential to go into the playoffs and at least, you know, win a game or two um, at the very least. So I, I'm interested to see how that plays out this year. Yeah, with with the normal number going back to the playoffs, you'll see more teams in the area from the playoffs. But yeah, yeah. I think the question you gets to be, That's the question. yeah, can can you be in a good enough spot to to do something once you're there? All right. So moving on to other local news to talk about. I I know you've been wrapped up in Valley or in the uh, Valley Baseball League. Uh, you've had a little more time on your hands since last week. I think we talked about it on the podcast. Uh, Covington had to cancel their season. So uh, the teams remaining in the South will make the playoffs, but we have a heck of a race that we're seeing between Harrisonburg, Waynesboro and Stanton all separated by 
uh, when we started uh, recording this podcast, uh, all separated by half a game. I'm not sure what's going on uh, this evening, um, but it's going to be an interesting little run here. Stanton does play Harrisonburg all three of their remaining games. Waynesboro also has only three remaining games, but two of those are against Charlottesville, one against Harrisonburg, and then obviously Harrisonburg has a bunch of games from what I just said. So it, it's all got to play out. Anything can happen here. We know Charlottesville will be the one seed, but past that, it could do anything. Yeah, uh, it sure could. And and I think the the wild part for this end of the stretch here for Stanton that they got to be careful about is it, it's three games against Harrisonburg. There's a double header, so... I think that's the worst possible thing that could have happened because to me, you kind of needed to win all three games to get up to that second spot. So right now I think best case scenario for you is probably third right now. Harrisonburg's beating Waynesboro. That's actually probably a good thing for you Um, because the three games you have against Harrisonburg, if you sweep them, you can pass them. Uh, You need help against Waynesboro. They play Harrisonburg and I think they have two against Charlottesville still. So um, that'll be tough for them. Uh, right now, Harrisonburg is winning seven to four in the eighth inning in Waynesboro. But, um, so because to me, if the games were on different days, sure, Stanton could find a way to win all three. Because it's a double header, you're going to have to be careful with how you play those lineups. You're going to have to be careful with how you use those arms, especially on Thursday, uh, with when the day of the double header there in Harrisonburg. I, I, you need to at least split that. If you get swept in that doubleheader, that's it. Yeah. Third, yeah. you better hope Waynesboro chokes and you somehow end up third. And I think to do that, you're going to have to win another game. You're going to have to win the finale on Friday against Harrisonburg. Uh, you, you don't want to play Charlottesville in that first round. That's all I know right now. If I, if you're Stanton, you want to avoid them because when the postseason starts, we saw it in uh, the game where they got slaughter ruled by. Charlottesville, um, they've got bats and, uh, their, their pitching is better. Uh, so you just, if you can at all avoid that four spot, get Harrisonburg or Waynesboro, whoever is, uh, two and three, you want to be the other one of those. And I, I just like the matchups better with Harrisonburg and Waynesboro. I just don't think those teams are as deep as Charlottesville. So playoffs will begin probably this weekend or, you know, somewhere around there, depending on what rain does to this week, but Braves will be in it. That's what I'm excited about that. I know it's kind of by default, but um, I just hope they can get in one of the, in that, at least that third spot so they can make a little bit of noise. Um, all right. So moving up to more professional sports, uh, major league baseball, I, the really, the, the thing that was the biggest talk around, uh, work today and through the weekend ever since Saturday night was, was a scary scene in DC. And I know it, it, it was scary because of non baseball related activity, but it happened right outside of uh, Nat stadium there. Um, so glad inside the stadium was apparently safe. I know uh, there was violence outside the stadium and I actually, uh, you know, haven't followed up since what I heard Saturday night about what happened out there, but we saw how, I mean, it was a scene we're not used to seeing at a major league baseball park. And uh, there was a lot of interest to that game locally. The JMU softball team, a lot of them were there. Uh, Kate Gordon threw out the first pitch. Um, You know, plenty of media guys that you and I know. Uh, Alex uh, from the, he's been on the podcast. He was there covering. Um, So it was scary, Uh, you know, and and plus that's near, you know, it's near us. and, and, And we knew so many people have an interest there. 
I thought it was really interesting to see, you know, how well DC, the announcers kind of handled that kind of pushing people in the right way. Um, I know there was panic around the event right there, but also what the Padres. Tatis and uh, Machado, they were, they were just kind of open the door, like telling people to come in for safety. Um, and so I think a lot of people showed their bravery in that situation and, and their, you know, willingness to care for people and not drawing lines at who's, who's the professional athlete or who's the family of professional. Athlete. I, I thought um, so a lot of people showed uh, their good hearts in that unfortunate incident that luckily wasn't worse than it was. It was bad. Uh, but it, you know, when you, when you see a game called because of a shooting, you really get nervous of what's, what's going on. So uh, that was a lot of the talk that I had today with, with other fans from here from the County. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what else to add to this. It's not going to, cause consternation in the comments but uh, it's scary and it's sad that this happens at you know a, a sporting event where people are supposed to be gathering to just enjoy baseball and have a good time with friends and family and as you said JMU softball was there it was JMU night at the park so a, a lot of local people from our Twitter sphere were there and and that kind of made it pop up even more on your timeline and sure. you're seeing everybody checking in saying, Hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. Um, which you should never have to do on Twitter when you go to a baseball game or any sporting event, you should never have to check in and say, Hey, I'm safe. That shouldn't be something that we have to do. Yeah. You wish it was just limited to hurricanes and tornadoes and stuff. It wasn't, you know, other people's decisions. Yeah. But I think I think you're right. Machado and Tatis uh, letting letting people down into the dugout for safety, because at that time, you don't know. You just hear gunshots. You don't know know where it is. You don't know, uh, which I I think, you know, goes against one popular argument um, on how to fix that problem, because in that scenario, there's just too much confusion. So um, it, it was nice to see the players let let fans in trying to just keep everybody safe. And it's it's sad that it came to that, but I'm glad that those guys were, you know, doing the right thing. I mean, I was at on campus at Virginia Tech in 2007, uh, very close to everything that went there. Not a topic I like to touch on often, but, you know, police came through our classroom to go to where uh, to the next building over where everything was happening. We had no idea what was happening there. And I think that's like a big difference in these 14, 14 years since then is that now, like you saw at Nats Park, people really reacted with safety and, and being safe. That day, like an idiot, you know, college student that I was, I, you know, after class was supposed to be over for so long and, and our teacher was done talking. I mean, um, and because the police had already come through and it was enough of a distraction, there was nothing going on. I just walked where the cops came from and, and left and went home. And uh, we we knew someone – oh, no, on the way home is when I found out one person had been killed at Virginia Tech that morning. I had no idea what was going on in the building next door to me as I was there. Um, had just ended probably when I was walking out the doors in the wide open away from uh, – in the opposite direction. But that's, you know, my stupidity at the time, sure. But I think any – I think – there's probably more people that thought that would think that way back at that time. And now we've seen so many of these 
in gatherings of people and at places you think you're safe and that people that are trying to accomplish a lot of mayhem and um, they're trying to acquire numbers in, in their violence. Um, and it's sad. And so uh, I, I appreciated for having that story that I just told, seeing it at Nats Park, how much people seem to care. And there was the other sections of the stadium where people were helping people get down. You know, it wasn't just their family. I mean, they were knocking tables over and getting behind. So like it was helping people. And I really appreciated uh, that. And people were being more conservative about their safety than, than, Hey, I just, I'm going to push everybody out of the way and get away here from here. Like George Costanza, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I appreciated seeing that that night, um, even though there, it was a horrible event, I, I found that silver lining within that. Yeah, but even that silver lining is sad. Like that we've become so accustomed to this that we're it we're is. good at that. Like that little girl on <laughs> on that video. Oh, this is my second shooting. She's like eight years old. So I kind of knew what to do. I was like, well, that sucks that an eight-year-old has that kind of experience. Yeah, that is terrible. I actually kind of missed that one. So, oof. Oh, uh, NBA Finals. Have you caught any of those since? I mean, I know you watched, what, Game... Three. I think it was game three. Uh, no. I know Milwaukee's yeah. won the other two, so they're up three to yeah. two, and <laughs> they might be able to close it out on Tuesday against I'm the Suns. Surprised. Giannis made a huge difference. He's you played a lot better. That, but the whole team is playing a lot better with him included. I, I know a lot of people are trying to throw hate at Giannis there for a little bit, that he's not the number one in a, in a go-to situation, but – I mean, look how much better they're playing here with him included. If if maybe he's not the guy you're trying to get a three-point shot at the end of the game, but, I mean, he's such a dominant player and can get so much done, and I, I just it's showing his worth. And he's an MVP two years in a row for a reason. But I don't think Milwaukee close it out on Tuesday night. I do think the Suns find a way to, to force the game seven. Well, ESPN would like that. <laughs> yes, they would. All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on here, and we will do this for the next couple of weeks, the Olympic schedule is is out there. Um, you know, exactly what teams are playing when still uh, some deciding or, or, you know, some qualifying races and swimming and and uh, running still have to happen. But uh, the Olympics do get started this coming week. Um, if you wait till Friday to start watching any of it, you'll miss a couple of things because the softball team. Uh, softball and soccer tournaments will get going, and particularly our uh, United States softball. You can first see them play an Olympic competition Tuesday night at 11 p.m. on N- NBCSN. Uh, so if you want to stay up for that, you're, you can see cheer for America on Tuesday night. Uh, but then Wednesday, plenty of action between soccer and more softball um, as that continues Wednesday and Thursday and then the, and then the opening ceremonies on Friday. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the Olympics. Um, I hope we win a lot of golds. I think, gosh, the number I saw on like the over under for U.S. golds was alarmingly high to the point where I was like, I gotta look at how many events there are um, before I <laughs> before I say on that because it was high enough to where I was like, ah, I don't know if we can do that. Um, but I think it was over a hundred. So um, I don't know if yeah. I don't know if we'll win that many. I know we're the heavy favorite to win the most golds and the most medals, but uh, USA basketball, I don't think is going to be one. So we better pick up one somewhere else. (laughs) 
in 2016. I should I should clarify. USA men's USA basketball won't be one. Included with a record-breaking 121 record, uh, 121 medals, only 46 golds. You saw over 100 golds for USA. Let me look it up. Let me look it up now. Maybe that was total medals I was looking at. Yeah, that that would be quite the jump from the record-breaking performance in 2016. Um, yeah, I don't know. If well, it's 100 for total medals, yeah, hopefully we don't drop off 20. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, to me, I remember looking at that number being like, God, that looks high. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it was total medals. Uh, and, and for me, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Let's What's see. What's that number? Oh, USA gold medals was over under 43 and a half. So, yeah, I was off by a little bit. So what do they do? So what do they do? More or less than 43? They won 46 last time. Yeah, I don't feel good. I don't know. But I don't want to bet against us. Like, oh, gosh, I don't know. You make me do this all the time. We'll come back to it. (laughs) I got some time. You want me to make a call and then, like, know the truth, and I never want to do it. I don't know. I I hope, yeah, I hope more than 50. Um, the swimming gets going early in these uh, in these Olympic Games. It's kind of the swimming races up front and then track and field races on the back mm-hmm. half of the Olympics. It's not a perfect split, but that's the, the normal setup for that. So uh, if you're into the swimming, I have been. Uh, right as it gets going Friday night, you'll immediately start seeing a lot of swimming on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, also the, the gymnastics. Um, and then, it's, you know, everybody pays attention to the women's gymnastics before uh, Simone Biles, all that stuff starts Sunday night. So uh, some good stuff this first weekend. Next week, we'll talk about what's coming on the next week. So look a lot to look forward to with the Olympics. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get to the B block. We have Patrick Height coming on to talk even more uh, high school football scheduling and, and pointing out some games, and then we'll see what other foolishness we can talk about. All right, back here on the Exports Podcast for the 17th time. Patrick Height, you are the leader of the clubhouse. I guess you're not in the clubhouse. You're still on the course. Uh, but you've been on 17 times. That's that's an impressive feat that you've put up with us this many times. I'm going to put that right at the top of my resume. It should be. It should be. You've put up with these guys for 17 times. <laughs> Patrick, we wanted to bring you on this week because the VHSL master schedule came out for the football season coming up. And. What is nice to see uh, is that, you know, scheduling is back to normal and we see 10 games, shortened season, and uh, it's, so it's something to get excited about and hopefully everything can stay the course and, and play. But you put out a cool little, uh, I say little, you had to put some good work in, the seven kind of biggest games at this point to kind of look ahead to. And uh, we wanted to talk about that and, Anything else related to the schedule out that you had? So it was exciting to, to see a football schedule come out. It was exciting to see 10 games uh, and, and played in the fall. Um, and so then I you know, started looking at all the games just to see which ones, which ones jump out at you. And, and I think as I wrote in the story, you never know um, yeah. which ones are going to really have playoff implications until 
later in the season. There's going to be a game that sneaks up on us that we're going to be like, hey, that, that ends up being a big game, even though we might not have expected now. But you, you get a pretty good idea. We, we know what a lot of these teams have coming back. We kind of know what the, the playoff, you know, who, what teams are going to be uh, shooting for playoff spots and, and what teams aren't. And so I just took a look at the – and I said seven games that are exciting and went from there. And, and, of course, the first one that jumps out at almost anybody that's a football fan in the area, the, the easy one to pick was Riverheads and, and Lord Bonneton, right? I mean, that's the – that is a huge game. Even though we, we know that whichever team comes – whichever team loses still it could do very well come – Come November and December, uh, it's not a matter of that. It's just it's great to see these two programs who don't typically who don't play each other, never played each other. Um, two of the two of the most successful programs over the past few years matching up, and, and I think for Riverheads fans, they want to see how they match up against a, a Class Three team that has been to the state championship the last couple of years, um, hasn't won it but has been there. Um, has uh, some some D1 talent on that team. I, I think Riverheads is, is excited to match up. And give Riverheads credit. Give give, give Robert Casto credit for for ske- not only scheduling this game, but going on the road to play this game. Um, it, it takes a lot of guts because they've got this this winning streak, right? And at 36 games in a row, uh, he asked. I'm sure he asked Coach Casto. He he doesn't care. He says he doesn't care, and I don't think he does care because. This is a good test for a team that'll get them ready for for the playoffs. And if if they lose, they lose. But in the end, I think it will will pay off either way. Yeah, and I mean this this is the hardest program that Riverheads has faced in years. And I and and by by August and September, I'll I'll know what that answer is and if you know what we're dating back to. Uh, one of the most highly anticipated regular season games that we've had in, in a bit now. I know those draft games, especially non-district game, especially for Riverheads, because it's been so hard for them to, to find non-district opponents. And so a team that is as good a quality as them, I, I, I love it being on the schedule. I, I know what could happen. I mean, it, 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 it could be Lord Botetop flexes some muscle. It's very possible. But I like the challenge of it. And, and for a Riverhead team that we're so used to just kind of rolling through a regular season more times than not in, in recent years, I know it's been a couple of years since they've lost one that one, you know, not so long ago, they lost two in one season, but still like it, it's, it's fun to see this kind of matchup. I will throw in a quick, uh, you know, accuracy for you just, just to get on board in 1964, these two teams did play. Oh. So <laughs> darn, I, why, why would I remember that game? Uh, and and Riverheads is, came away with a win that six, nothing, on Halloween weekend of 1964. So I don't, okay, so, I don't know what's so more about it. trying to even, even the series then. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. So. Coach Jim uh, Diggs from Riverhead, you know, had him ready to go against Lord Botetot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I, you know, yeah, I should have, I should have done my research. I should have looked to see if they had ever played. Um, I, I just, in, in, in my memory, I knew they had not played. So. No time recently. <laughs> but that was before my time. So, uh, so. well, but no, that that should be a great game. I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to it. it. Obviously, local fans would love to have seen it up here, but hey, Lord, but that's not that tough of a trip. Yeah, next year. And, it's and it's not. But I, I'll say this, and you know, 
I hope that no offense is taken by the Riverheads folks, but if which means it will be, I was gonna say if they get offended, then I can check them off the the the, the final school off the list of people that have been offended by things I've said on this podcast. But <laughs> I don't think that's gonna be a good game. Like I I just don't. I think Riverheads is gonna get a dose of what they usually hand out to people here. I, I think that's gonna be lopsided, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to Riverheads by that. I just Lord Potterhead's really good. <laughs> no, I. You know what? I, I think that's possible. And I think Riverheads fans are, are smart enough to know that that is possible. But just my my gut feeling is it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a closer game than, than what you're saying, Joe. I, I, I'm not saying Riverheads can pull the upset and, and go there and win that game. But Riverheads knows – Robert Castro knows how to do a game plan, right? That, that coaching staff knows how to, how, to, how to go about a game. And I think they – We'll figure out a way to stay close to Lord. But here's, here's why I don't think it's going to happen. And again, maybe they prove me wrong and it's close, but the advantage they have over teams here is their offensive line is just so much better than everyone else's offensive line. Lord Bartite is a four-star offense and defensive lineman. So it's not happening there. Uh, Lord Bartite is a much better line than Riverheads. And I think they're going to control that line of scrimmage and they're going to take away what Riverheads does best. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's very possible. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. And if that happens, if if Lord Botetourt just rolls in that game and it's not close, you know, if if you're Riverhead, you just say, okay, we we learned some lessons from that game. Uh, it doesn't change anything as far as what we are planning on doing this year. Oh, sure, uh, trying to win another state championship, and they go forward. So so even if that happens, even if Lord Botetourt just controls this game from start to finish. I think Riverheads will learn some valuable lessons that that will help them, you know, later in the season. I I know by September 10th I will be preaching how I think Riverheads can win this game, keep it close, and all that. Just the same way as I know by the first week of the season for college football, I'll be coming up with ways how Virginia Tech's going to beat UNC. It I that's the kind of fan I am. That's the kind of way I am about my schools. But I. I don't think like when you say Riverheads is going to get what they usually dish out. Riverheads usually dishes out quite lopsided victories. I I think they just manage to keep it closer than that in the least. Like it's not going to be fifty to six or something like that. I I just no probably not that bad. But I think it's twenty one twenty eight is very realistic. Yeah, I hope not. I mean that's that's who I am. I hope not. And and when Fort Defiance went and played Lord Botetourt two years in a row, I didn't want them to get beat that bad either. So I don't think I'm incredibly homer for saying I hope not, but I am definitely a homer for Riverheads, and I, <laughs> I really hope not. I hope, I hope there's an opportunity for them to, you know, show, hey, that the very top of Class 1, you know, can play at least with those guys. I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. I hope it's not just an absolute blowout. Um, I would definitely, you know, it, it, if it blows out, it's only blowing out in one direction. So they're definitely – you know, we know what what's on the table there. I, I just, I, I just seeing Riverheads be good for too long and playing in the program being a homer. I just, I, I just kind of have that feeling like somehow they'll at least be in that ball game for a while, even if it's a pull away in the end. And and look I'll at that stretch, look at that yeah. stretch too, where <laughs> they start at Lord at Lord Bonnetown, and then they're at Stewart Strath, and then they're at Caswell. Yep. <laughs> then they're open. Then they're. Then they've got at Buffalo Gap and at Wilson, which you would think would be a little easier. But Buffalo Gap is a rivalry game, and Wilson's getting better. So 
that is quite the stretch for uh, for, for Riverheads. Probably one of the toughest stretches, regular season stretches, Riverheads has played in a, in a while. Yeah, that's it. I think that's true. Um, yeah, I, I mean that whole middle of the season being all away games for them. I know we've already talked about it on here uh, for our listeners, but yeah, it's. I, I don't like Riverhead's schedule, how it sets up with home and ways for sure, and that, that all plays into it. But, yeah, I, I think you're right on naming that the number one game. Uh, I'm not going to pick apart your list. Uh, I, I, your number two, though, maybe, and, maybe I don't have a number say, two. I don't, I, really like in, I don't know if I put these in order or not. I mean, I, I jumped on the Riverhead's Lord Botetai game because that's the first game that came to mind. And then I yeah. just did other games, kind of ones I thought were good games. I'm, I'm you know, I could have easily put Riverhead Stewart's draft yeah. second, too, right? Because it's Riverhead's draft. Sure. I do like the one you listed second. I like that Stanton and Waynesboro, um, they're going to be able to get back together. It, this isn't a non-district game. This is a district game now. So it's not like they went out and, and found this game. It's on the schedule. But I like that that's back. I like for the local area. For I like that Stanton also has Harrisonburg. On, that's not on your list. But I like that the city teams are playing each other again. So I, I like that aspect. I like I like Winsboro being in the district just so everything's inside the county lines. But I do like that Stanton-Waynesboro matchup, particularly because last year that was a late season game between those two teams. And both teams were trying to kind of find their way then um, or find find some kind of positive to use going next season. And, and then they'll have it you know early enough in the season next year, I guess halfway through the season. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 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 right. That's a good point. Um, um, it does, the, the back to the you mentioned the Waynesboro and Stanton and Harrisonburg and Stanton. I love those games too because um, you know when when Stanton left the Valley District, I wrote a column about how I, I was not happy with that, and I know a lot of, of former Stanton people, for Lee people, that hated that. And a big reason is because of rivalries like Waynesboro and Harrisonburg. So if they can get back into that um, with, with all their sports, but now with football, I think that's huge. So I'm, I'm excited that, that they're playing. All right. So the other thing I think that stood on the schedule, and, and it's more Riverheads talk, more from the draft side. Let's focus on, focus on the draft side. Drafts and Riverheads, they are playing twice this season. They're going to play at the end of the season and the regular season finale like they've done the last couple of years. And, it's kind of been a pattern over the last chunk of years that they play in that last game, uh, but they're doing it again. And the difference this year, though, is they'll have already played them in week four of the season, as you mentioned, in the middle of that three-game stretch that's hard for Riverheads. But I just – I hate that those two schools had to – I mean, basically they're forced into playing each other because school, they couldn't find enough games to play them. And, and they had to just kind of, hey, we're both missing a game. we got to play each other non-district. I, I hate that. I wish there was a tool in the to kind of correct that. I don't I don't know how you do that. I, I have no idea how you make that kind of rule. But I think these schools wouldn't drive past Stewart's draft and drive past Riverheads to go play other schools. I, I would something some way to stop that. I will agree with that. Um, I, I, I think from a from a fan standpoint. They're probably excited to see River Hidden Draft playing twice. It's, it's almost like an NFL schedule, right? I mean, you get your, your, your game at draft and then your game at Riverhead. But I agree. I, I wish they didn't have to do this. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen down the road, right? I mean, if, if they couldn't find teams to play them this year, 
what happens with you know the schedules as we continue to go. I mean, it, Riverheads has always had trouble finding teams to play, and, and I guess draft has now won enough games and that they have uh, have gotten to that point too. So, I, yeah, I, I hate it, but I, I'm like you. I don't I don't know what to do to change it. Um, and so I think what you do this year is just enjoy the fact that these two teams play twice, understanding that. I think draft will be good this year. I'm not sure draft will be the Stewart's draft we've seen the last couple of years, uh, just because they lost a lot of talent off of, off of that team um, last year. But but I think they're still going to be a, a really good team. They got a great coaching staff, and they they've got some talent there. And and Riverheads is Riverheads, so they'll they'll be fun. Stewart's draft, I. I don't see where they're going to be greatly different than what we've seen out of them the last couple of years, just from their regular season schedule. I think come playoff time, they will be a higher seed in 2B. I think they'll be higher in the district at the end. But the team down the stretch, and, and it's and it's hard in 3C, but Wilson Memorial last year, I thought, maybe didn't overachieve. I just think achieved well. And, and we got to see that during the shortened spring season. I think they bring back plenty of talent for the fall. And I think that's the kind of team that's kind of going to poke their head up in there and say, hey, we, we got something to say in here. Now, Class 3C in the postseason is going to be tougher for them than what 2B um, had been and, and would be this year. But I do think they're going to be a team that gathers a lot of attention come October and early November. I, I would agree with that. Obviously, yeah, the, the playoffs are, are tough um, when, you're, when you're in Region 3C. But – I I love what Drew uh, Drew has done over there at Wilson. I think he uh, he's earned the respect. I think I wrote this in the story. Uh, he's earned the respect of the players. I talked to a lot of players after the season, and they, they just loved playing for him last year. And, and I think they they put together a, a, an impressive season. I mean, four and three on paper doesn't look that great, but they had some big wins. They looked really good. And I think you're right. They're they're going to be. I think right now it's obviously Riverheads at the top of that district. Stewart's draft is going to be second. And, and then I think Wilson's right there at third. And who knows? Maybe Wilson gives Stewart's draft a game. I and mean, that game is yeah. at Wilson. Um, and Wilson could 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 play them tough. So we, um, We've really seen like strange meetings between them before. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm excited to see what Wilson does this year and, and how they improve on that spring season. All right, Patrick. Well, I want to steer the conversation toward a love that you and I share, which is the Dan Levitard show, which is where I got this next topic. But it brought up an interesting debate there at the end of today's episode in particular, where they were talking about reading. Um, <laughs> and in particular, they got on it because they were talking about the athletic and how no one pays for the athletic. And you get those three paragraphs and then you're like, oh, I guess I'm done. And... <laughs> So unless you have someone's account to steal, uh, but then they were talking about reading being dead. And um, then Dan Levitard said, you know what? I'll even count reading as listening to an audio book. And then that started a debate on whether listening to an audio book is reading or not. You're a writer. Uh, there's another writer who comes on. So John Leonard will probably be aware when he listens to this episode that it's going to get asked of him and how he feels about it too. Do you feel that listening to an audiobook counts the same as reading? Yes, I do. Yes. I, I think it's the same thing. I, well, okay. I, 
I believe that you're getting the same knowledge mm-hmm. that you would get from reading it, right? Um, and personally, I enjoy sometimes, so especially depending on who's reading the book, who they have. And some of these audio books have gotten A-list celebrities to, to read. I enjoy that. I, I, I like having, I like hearing somebody else's voice instead of my own voice in my head. I don't like my voice. And, and hearing that in the head. So what's the difference? I, I mean, yeah, you get to, maybe you see words, maybe you pick up words and a, a, a little better. I don't know if you're reading it or, or, or but I don't see a big difference. I, I love audiobooks, and um, I, I think they're, they're fine. I'm, I'm in the middle of an audio book right now, so I, I can't complain about them. I, I think it's the same as reading. I, I'm not a, against audiobooks. I, I, they're good. I, there's, there's been multiple times where I've listened to them. Uh, um, one time in particular in college, my professor for a building construction class assigned this novel, uh, Pillars of the Earth, and it is about two paragraphs that talk about any kind of description of architecture from the time period it took place in. The rest is just terrible, uh, dramatic, terrible things happening to people, death, um, lots of issues for women having babies in the woods and stuff, just, just terrible things. And I just, I mean, I was like a chapter in, I was like, this, this ain't going to happen. I'm driving back and forth from tech to Stanton. My mom went out and bought me the audio book for that just so I could get through it. And then it, and then there was three questions on the final for the class about that. So I, I listened to all that just for that. But I don't know. I always tell that story. Like I didn't read it. Like I found my way around. Like oh, that no, was my spark weird. notes version of, of getting that done. I, I think it's just a different form of entertainment. I just I don't think it's the same as reading because in no way are you reading. Um, like then why isn't a movie a, a book? Like if it's you know if they're using the same dialogue that's in the book, then no, why but it's you're, they're, they're taking right? out so I, I much. Think it's a different way. Mo- movies don't use the same. So the content. Dialogue. A, 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 an audio book is the book. I mean, it's it's the same word in a book. Um, it's just your so that your, you're reading a screenplay. You're reading sure. a script. I'm reading the, the script. Oh, that's I mean, it's just a different way of taking entertainment, and it's nothing wrong with it. Like, that's what you choose to do. I think I, I listened to Gone Girl on audiobook just because like everybody was so into it, and I was like, I mean, I'm driving from here to Broadway every day. I, I want to know what's going on, and that's how I did it. But like, I don't say I read Gone Girl. I just I, I did to it. it was no, good. I did. I don't know. I, I, I've always told people that I read if, if I just include the same thing at the end of the year when I go and make a list of books that I've read, any books I actually read and any books I listen to go in the same list. I don't distinguish what? between them. Yes. See, I'm the read. same way. And see, I listened to Gone Girl on audiobook. Yeah, I read it. Someone read it to me. But yeah, I mean, I, it was read. Yeah. I, I, and when so people like, were like, oh, read, have you read the Dark I Tower series? Kids. When you, have you read the Dark Tower series by Stephen King? Heck yeah, I did. All seven on Audible. Thank you. I I read to my kids. So are they reading when I do that to them? Sure. 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 Like I read, give a mouse a cookie, and we're, and they look at the pictures, but not necessarily following along with the words. Like later later in the reading process, we get there. If but they like, comprehend I'm it. I'm saying when I'm sitting there. T- I, I would say they've read that book. Yes. If they comprehend what you're saying, then yes. Dude, my kids. My kids were reading at like two and a half. It was awesome. 
they knew exactly what Spot was doing and everything. I mean, not even more, even more than that. Give a mouse a cookie. They understood the mouse wants a cookie and now he wants milk and now he wants, you know, a napkin. Like they, they read that book at two. That's good. It's awesome. My kids are awesome. Yeah. And then when they get older, they're not going to read anything in, when they get to college in textbooks. By so your I'm definition. I'm going to go read them the, like just a Stephen King book, and then they can go to school and be like, I'm reading at a 12th grade level. Well, that like, and they'll I'm, have nightmares, but sure. They, we, well, we showed them Jaws. They're, they're already screwed. Mm, Stephen King is another level, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, but reading it reading at a 10th grade level and an 11th grade level isn't that simply comprehension like like you read at that level you comprehend what it's about so if you listen to that on an audiobook and you comprehend what's happening and you understand to me yeah you are reading at that level you're that's all that's all reading at some grade level is is can you comprehend can you you understand what's happening so we need to change how you know dolly parton and everybody reading two kids it's not reading two kids they're reading just sure like well, why? Like why? Why make it any different? Why add that useless word in there too? You just you know. They read it. I I'm down. Let's do it. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Okay. That's fine. You're outnumbered. I, I You're outnumbered. Here, That's fine. Yeah. Well, while we're going through Levitard stuff, uh, yeah. What are your five condiments? <laughs> just, just so everyone else knows that hasn't listened to Levitard, the premise of this question is: if you could only have five condiments for the rest of your life, and you get an unlimited amount of each condiment squirting out of each finger on one hand, what would your five condiments be? It's like sour cream, a condiment. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Salsa. Salsa is a condiment. Yes, that's a condiment. Ooh. So I, I would, and I, I like peach salsa. The ranch is peach. Yeah, peach salsa. <laughs> oh my god! My my wife actually, my wife and mother in law spent a week, a uh, couple of days in Lorraine, and they brought me back peach salsa. I love peach salsa; it's great. So I'll go that. Um, <laughs> I would rather I would rather cut off a finger than have peach salsa be one of yeah. mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. You know what? I'm gonna say mayonnaise um i know a lot of people don't like that but i love it on my hammer you're leading with that god no, well, he led with I peach salsa <laughs> yeah i did leave uh, okay. still early um, in this class for mayonnaise i love it on hamburger that's the only way i eat hamburgers is man oh mayonnaise and tomato that's my two that's the two things I have on my hamburger, so I've got to go, go back to Canada. I was gonna say I'm starting to I'm starting to realize why so many people don't like you in this area now. <laughs> Maybe we need a wall on the north side. <laughs> I go with sour cream. I will go with sour cream. Sour cream's good. Um, then it gets then it gets difficult for me because I, I, yeah, because really you've wasted three. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I I guess I'd say ketchup. Um, okay. Just because there's certain fries that I can't eat without ketchup on them. Uh, five Guys fries for for one. Five Guys fries and ketchup are the greatest. Um, and and by the way, on my Five Guys burger, it's tomato and, and mayonnaise. Um. So that's one more. I got one more. Oh, I'm um. I'm I'm at a loss. How about like peanut butter and jelly? Are those like no. you, 
can use them. Like, you can dip right? stuff in peanut butter. That's not a condiment. But I hope uh, I believe peanut butter and jelly would be condiments. Oh, my really? goodness. Then you have wasted some condiments here. Well, then, see, I don't, I don't know what the definition of a condiment is. Because like, I, I was going to go barbecue sauce would probably be neither one, right? I mean, yeah. Barbecue sauce. Um, so that's it. I guess that's my path. And if peanut butter and jelly are condiments, then I guess I missed out on that. I'm okay without peanut butter and jelly. Condiment sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't eat a ketchup and mustard sandwich, so I, I, I think peanut butter and jelly is a little above condiments. I agree. I don't want them on that list. All right. Well, we got Patrick's five condiments, <laughs> even though, God, I'd be tempted to blow off my hand in a JPP style firecracker accident than to have that as my five condiments. But what are yours right now, man? It's mine. Um, all right. So I have played this game before. Uh, ketchup, mustard. Wrong. Then I would go buffalo sauce. I would go. So like all my flavors at 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 B dubs are all different condiments yes like honey barbecue is oh Mm -hmm. my goodness uh let's see that's three i've got two more all right gotta be careful here he's done this before by the way i've never tasted mustard that's any good like oh french's yellow mustard if you want me to be specific yep Yep. (laughs) love it and um oh italian dressing was one for my salads. Um, I mean, this guy eats at Long John's, so. Yeah, I, I, you were you were telling me uh, you were blow up your hand if, if you had the condiments I chose, and, and you're going with Italian dressing and mustard in yours, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have serious doubts about, about your taste. Uh, oh, the other one was sweet and spicy sriracha from uh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> uh, okay, I never had it, but... Um, I'll quickly, stick I'll stick with mine. Quickly, ketchup, ranch, uh, honey barbecue from B Dubs, um, and then I have peanut butter and jelly are on this. It's got to be there. Ah, and I lost A one. What do you need A one for? I like A one. On a crappy A1? steak, it's good. On a crappy steak, A1. you gotta have it. When you buy the A1 still cheapest existed. meat you can. <laughs> no. And ranch is not. Like my wife loves ranch. I've I've never found a good use for ranch. So, I uh, see. I'm gonna have salads, and I've got to have a salad dressing. So that's why I go the Italian, the Olive Garden Italian ranch dressing. I I can give up on salads. If you look at me, you know I'm not a good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so friend tell me salad. I can't have another salad for the rest of my life. You know what? I'll live. I'll be <laughs> I am with you. I love that. All right. Well, I've liked how this is interview has ended. Good. <laughs> so that means it's over. Okay. So it's, it's, it's ending because, you know, people got things to do apparently. So uh, <laughs> we'll let that happen. We appreciate you coming on. I know we'll get you on either right before the season starts for football or, or early on into it. Uh, but we look forward to that. We look forward to seeing the press box and, uh, doing all the coverage that you do for the newsletter. Uh, appreciate all the coverage you've you've 
got fit into here at the news leader. I think we mentioned that before when you're being on and you're covering a lot more than just sports now. Um, but just uh, today I was reminded of my appreciation for your coverage of everything going on. So I just wanted to say that while you're on here. Well, thanks. And my cat's uh, choking next to me right now. So if you hear that, that's the uh, noise of that. So. You can go take care of that. Yeah, go save your cat and we will talk to you later. Hey, guys, thanks awesome. a lot. All right, D block time. Uh, before that, again, thanks to Patrick Hyde for coming on. Uh, we do get into some weird conversations sometimes with Patrick, uh, usually around the movies and shows we're watching, but, you know, picking out of the door of the refrigerator is always an interesting conversation, apparently, too. So we might have to come back to that with other guests. Like you said, John Linder might need to answer this at some point. Uh, you talked about books. We need to probably talk about kitchen condiments. Maybe that's our new uh question for our well we got a reference dan levitar we gotta give him the we gotta give him the credit when we do that but yeah um that's a fascinating question i've used it once on the dating app and uh naturally all i got back was that's a weird question and then uh, that one didn't go anywhere that's okay um (laughs) that one probably wasn't going to go anywhere anyway (laughs) other than asking weird questions on dating apps uh we got a (laughs) we got a question um Sent to us uh, on Twitter by avid listener Steve Cash uh, on our favorite sports moment watching of all time watching sports. Uh, so not being there, but or no, watching, not participating was what the, what it was. Um, yeah. So for me, in person, there's a few, and I'm just gonna rattle them off. I don't know if I can list one um but i was i was at the game where virginia tech clinched their uh undefeated season to go to the national championship when they beat boston college that was exciting um i was at camden yards when the orioles clinched uh their playoff uh did they clinch maybe it wasn't clinching but it was a it was a victory in game two of uh, this is two different games, but I saw them beat the Yankees near the end of the season uh, that year in 2012, and then in 2012, game two of the ALDS where they beat the Yankees, and that was my first experience of like an active, loud Camden Yards. Um, both those games, the 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 stadium was so loud, I left with a headache, um, and that was I was you know usually when I have a headache, I'm miserable to be around. But that uh, also helped the Orioles won both of those games. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, that was so awesome that I have the stadium was so loud, I have a headache from it. That's so cool. Um, TV, uh, I would say. The Virginia Tech beating Texas in the Sugar Bowl was awesome. Uh, that was back in the Jim Druckenmiller days. Uh, then there's the Orioles clinching the division with Ubaldo Jimenez, of all people, in 2014 pitching that game. Uh, there's the the Delman Young hit against the Tigers in an ALDS. Or no, yes, that was an ALDS. Um, that was awesome. There is, there's other ones that I'm leaving out. 
What's number one? I don't have a number one. I'm just listing them. I'm telling you right now. Um, well, at the risk of offending people at Stanton, seeing Mac McClung break the all-time points record in high school was pretty cool. Um, that was live. That was a game we worked uh, in the state championship when they played Gate City. That was pretty cool. But... And I know I'm leaving some out too, um, but I'd say those are those are the ones that stick out. Yeah, I answered his question. Uh, I think, and I think we mentioned a lot of these last year. We did a podcast where we talked about a similar worded question. Maybe uh, we broke them up between TV and in person and stuff. So um, it might have been even two different podcasts, but. I think when D Hall, like I, I was thinking, I was trying to get moments, like just moment, like not entire game or, you know, the result, it just like the moment of it. When D Hall ripped the ball out against Miami in 03, that was like one of the craziest moments of in-person fandom I've ever had. It was just, it was just an electric play by an electric player against, you know, the number, well, they were number three team in the nation. It was Miami. It was back coming off of national championship, Miami and all those NFL players. And it was just awesome. And just that moment. I mean, I took my friend, my roommate, we're like cheering and couldn't believe it. I pretty much push him down into the floor of the stands and then jump like with my feet, not like I bear hug him. I jump on my feet, start jumping on top of him, like using him like a trampoline. So uh, I always remember that moment. Is he alive or did you kill him? Did you, are you talking about a murder? Wait, wait a few less pounds then. (laughs) Um, uh, A very similar moment in Lane Stadium. uh, And and a lot of Augusta County people probably really uh, uh, like this story. uh, Against Nebraska, uh, so calling out Dan Hansen, we stole that game against Nebraska because uh, Tyrod found Danny Cole going down the sideline. And, uh, from our point of view, I mean, he had the ball and he was going. We thought, like, he probably got in. He didn't get in on that play. We got in right after that and won the game uh, with a throw to um, uh, number 11 there. Uh, <laughs> completely blanked. But anyway, Danny Cole caught that ball and went down the sideline. And I, Ron Ball, I was standing beside Ron Ball in the stands because I'm, I'm friends with their family. And, uh, you know, legendary coach of the Shannon from, the, uh, from Augusta County, coached it. Uh, Wilson and Stewart's draft and Fort Defiance. And uh, I just bear. Wife was between me and him. And he's such a huge tech fan, uh, played for Virginia Tech back in his day. Just just the ultimate tech fan is always what I think of Ron Ball. Uh, I think I shoved my wife out of the way and then hugged him that that we had made that play. Uh, so that that's always a great memory there. Um, so those are a couple in-person ones, uh, you know, when the result of the Duke game, the first time we beat Duke at home in basketball and we rushed the court, that was awesome. So, but that, that D hall play, that's the number one. That's what I always come back to. I know there was other big moments you were listing off ones when uh, watching on TV is a little different, but the two that came to my mind first is when Danny Cole caught the ball another time against Michigan in a sugar bowl to, and we would have beat them that moment of he caught that ball. That was an amazing play. And the referees took it all away from us, and it really changed how I view that. Uh, but that moment was so crazy. Uh, and then when Harrison in the Super Bowl for the Steelers against the Cardinals intercepted the ball at one goal line and then 
made the trek down the field to the other goal line. That was huge. And I know you're shaking your head because you're a Ravens fan, but that's an exciting play in football. And especially when it really is a 14 point swing from what you think it's going to be. You think the Cardinals are going in here right before halftime and are going to score. And instead Steelers put up seven more points. It was just, it was huge. And, and to do it like that. So those are the, that's the list of my moments, but that, that D hall play, absolutely the number one. I mean, I rushed the field after that game. Uh, Steve was in the band leading the drum line down there at that time. Uh, I climbed, I scaled the fence in front of, in that end zone and was yelling at Steve. And I, I mean, he was shocked to see me and then, uh, you know, security and people in charge made me get down. So, <laughs> but yeah, see like that Boston college game for me is the moment of like them clinching, going to the national championship. And, um, yeah. I was still very young at the time. I wasn't there, but so like, yeah, I'm not, but when you're saying, oh, well, I'm talking moments, not games. Like for me, it's that moment. It's not anything that that game was a blowout. We, trashed boston college in that game um yeah i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying how i was answering sure and for me it's those moments like it's the moment the orioles have clinched the ales for the first time that i can remember in my life um so that was exciting they had done it before in my lifetime but i just wasn't as plugged into the orioles back then um so it did happen other times in your lifetime you i mean you reject anything that happened before 1980. Well, I mean, I will say like those championships <laughs> might as well not have happened. I don't get any satisfaction out of them. Like I don't look back at 83 fondly like, okay, it happened, but I wasn't there. I couldn't enjoy it. So who cares? Like I'm a Steelers fan. I have to count the seventies. I definitely have to count the seventies, even though I wasn't here before him. Yeah, but it's not like you can be like, oh, man, we were so great in the 70s. That was so awesome. Like, if you said that, I would be like, Leland, shut up. You're a liar. You weren't there. Like, <laughs> it means nothing to you. I um, still count those rings, but, yeah, I don't I don't prop that because, I, I mean, I didn't sit there and watch it. Uh, but – and the Druckenmiller Sugar Bowl. Like, I can't – I don't remember any of the plays. I just remember it was a big deal, one, because it was the Sugar Bowl, two – I was allowed to stay up and watch that game. I was, I was very, I was even younger than I was during the undefeated season, and that was a big deal because usually it was like, oh, it's a you know, go to bed, school night, um, but this was like, okay, you can stay up and watch the game. Um, and we beat Texas, and I was like, oh man, Texas is so good. We beat them. We're better than them. Are we going to win the national championship? And then my mom and dad had to be like, no. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> Um, and then of course, a few years later we were in the national championship and I stayed up for that one and that one didn't end as well, but, um, it was a fun one to watch though. And that's, what's good about that 99 one, even though we didn't win, like we, we had our moments and, and we showed, we showed we were, we just that didn't have the saying power in that fourth quarter, unfortunately, but yeah, I, I still will watch that game on replay, even when it's, I know we're going to lose. Cause like Vic, Vic played some ball and had a lot of guys, I mean, our defense made some big plays and, and. We really fought. I mean, there was some runs from Florida State that we really came back when we had a, a lead late in that game. I mean, that was they just took off. They they were de- deeper than us. Yeah, but that happens. That's okay. Yeah. All right. So what's dominating my life? A quick one. I just uh, you know an old school movie. Uh, we went back and watched. Uh, my wife had not seen Philadelphia with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. Um, I think it's an interesting movie to watch right now. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, so did the Academy cause they nominated Tom Hanks for best actor. And I believe he won. Um, and, uh, just so many 
great aspects of that movie, the acting from Tom Hanks, but then also Denzel Washington, uh, the growth of the characters, uh, particularly Denzel's Washington, he's really is the one that, that grows. Um, but so many great performances. Um, you have, um, um, <laughs> of course I blank on uh, his name. Um, uh, there are so many great performances in that movie. Uh, on top of that, uh, you had um, Antonio Banderas. He's the other actor that was, was really a big role in that movie that played so well. And uh, I think it's a good movie to come out then. I think you watch it now and you kind of look at that movie being ahead of its time of, of really going on and, and showing um, sides to the story and, and how a people can change, but how people can be wrong. And uh, so in today's age, I think it's interesting to watch that movie and it's a really well done movie um, the music, the, the way they film it, some of the ways the director, you know, got these face close-ups for, for reactions of people and, and kind of continued that throughout the movie. It's just, I think a lot of different ways, a very good movie to watch. So I just, I recommend going back and catching that one and, uh, watch some good performances out of, you know, two of the top names in our lifetime, Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington and, and, and others. Okay. 1993 film. I haven't seen that, so I can't. I can't elaborate. Oh, watch it. It's a good one. It's a good one. I watched it when I was younger, and and obviously didn't understand the the weight of the movie. Uh, I watched it like my freshman year of college when I did understand, and uh, it'll it's it it's a good movie, really good movie. Okay. Stephanie liked it, so it can't be terrible. <laughs> All right. All right, so what I know that you need to know, I'll go first here. Um, we talked about ratings these last couple weeks, and uh, you and I had a conversation coming out of last week's episode that kind of continued one of our topics. Uh, the baseball had a good all-star weekend, even though you think it's all stupid. Uh, the, you know, It's good that for baseball to have good ratings. For a dying sport that I'm not really arguing that point, it's good for them to have a good night. Um, and I think it's because they're pushing their stars more. They're, the Home Run Derby was a, the second highest rated thing on cable since the football national championship. Uh, so that, that does mean something. And, um, and that's good for baseball. The Euro was up there in ratings. It, it was below the Home Run Derby, but still ahead of the NBA that was on that same day, that Euro final that we referenced last week. Um, so that's good for soccer, and that's good for your point of saying that soccer in America viewership is growing and that's a good thing. And, and I'm not against that. Like I'm not against soccer being popular. I just, I just, it being out of the happening out of the country. I just, we haven't seen a good example of that. So it's just hard for me to grab a hold of like, that is going to be a major sport when it's not played in America um, yet at its highest level. So it, it's interesting, but I just wanted to put some numbers and some actual facts to what we were alluding to last week that actually baseball did well. Uh, the Euro did well in comparison to the NBA, particularly. And um, the NBA is up from 2020, but still down from 2019. And, and I think that's the fact that the stars that the NBA pushes, that the NBA has been, you know, they could probably write a book on how to prop your stars up. I mean, that's what they, that's all they did in the nineties was prop the stars up. Um, and they still try to do that. Not having their biggest stars in these finals. I, it's, it's hurting them. And, uh, I hate, I hate that. I wish, 
I wish more people were watching. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the Euro tournament addresses your point about, you know, you don't think it'll catch on because it's not played here, but I mean, the, the Euro tournament's not played here. Yeah. But I mean, the bulk of those stars are playing in the, um, the premier league. And, and I mean, I, I guess I'm more analyzing the leagues, not the, the national competition. Cause I, I mean, world cup gets good ratings. I, I, I know that, but that's the world. But when it's just Europe and, I, I think there's enough comparison there to the Premier League that yeah, that's that's a good sign for your point. I, I mean, I'm I'm offering you, hey, here's facts to back up your side of the yeah, point. No, just, and I'm interested to see how it keeps going. Sure. Um, I'd also say, you know that, and if we touched on this last week, you can tell me to stop. We talked about it already, but the women's <laughs> softball World Series bringing in big clout for JMU is great. Yeah. That uh, was great for JMU and, and women's sports across the board. Mm-hmm. It was a highly rated. It was uh, one of the highly highest rated women's colorful series of all time, wasn't it? If not the. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely was. I think it probably was the it out. It outdid the uh, baseball that was on two weeks yeah. later. The uh, College World Series there. It outdid um, the FCS I mean, National Championship. Too. Yeah, it had Oklahoma and UCLA had had the top dogs in the tournament. And then you had Oklahoma get beat in the first game. So it, it brought a lot of interest in. And so locally, obviously, Jamie was the team to, to beat Oklahoma. It brought all our interest in. Uh, maybe not our personally, but in the area. But I think across the nation, you know, you have the number one team that everybody thinks a world beater. It gets knocked down one game. Then people are tuning in to see what happens to them after that. And they got to see JMU play some some winning softball um, other than that game too. So that was, it's all, it's great. Uh, JMU got more, uh, yeah, what you were going for, JMU got more, um, exposure from that than the football championships championships. And that's great. That's great. It is great. And uh, it's two things I want to say about that. One, it's great for the women's program. It's great for them. It, it, there's no other way to cut it. It's great for the university. It's great for them because I think that that softball team, um, I think that may be one of, if not the most successful program at that university right now. And you look at some of the other women's sports, uh, a field hockey national championship to their credit as well. And, and so oh, yeah. I, I think for them, that's great that softball is able to drive that yes. and increase the women's sports side of things at JMU, which is very, very successful at, at JMU. It also speaks to the point that you and I talk about all the time and people sometimes get mad at, I guess, if, you know, or they've stopped listening now. But in terms of a reason to leave the CAA because and go to a, you know, an FBS conference, um, because nobody cares about the FCS championship, right? Outside of FCS schools, nobody cares. You know who cares about the Women's College World Series? Everybody who likes that sport. Yeah, and, 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 and even even baseball, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like, people who watch baseball, of, yeah. yeah. So everybody. It's not like a division like, oh, okay, well, but it's not really like the national champion. Like, yeah, it, you think you're watching JV or something. Or, yeah, or no the, one, yeah you know, there's only one league. division one champion there. And so to move up, you're going to get more money, and, uh, and I'll get off this quickly because we don't need to have this debate again, but you get more money from a bowl game than you do an FCS national championship. That's just a fact. At the end of the day, your season means more if you're in an FBS conference 
whether you go to a bowl game or not, technically, but if you go to a bowl game, you've made more money as a school than if you won the FCS national championship, you get more eyeballs and you get more clicks. If you win the women's softball or get to the women's college world series in softball, than you do for winning the FCS national championship because nobody gives a flip about the FCS national championship. And that's fine with me. I've come to terms with that. I'm glad people are paying attention to the softball side because again, the women's sports at JMU are highly successful or successful across the board. Um, And I think that's, that's great. The women's basketball program has been good there for a long time. It's not as good as it used to be, but it's still good. You have the field hockey that is good. Women's soccer is good. Softball is good. And all those programs, three years ago, all those programs, improve drastically when they are able to have an increase in funding when football gives up their little JV trophy and moves up. Who cares if you never win the FBS trophy? Who gives a bleep when the rest of your sports will improve day one when you leave your inferiority complex of a conference in the CAA? And and I don't even think you're sacrificing women's sports at all moving up because in the conferences that you would actually go to moving up to FBS football, your women's programs are going to be very similarly competitive in those conferences. I, I don't, I don't see, I mean, JMU is holding its own in these sports that we just mentioned JMU. I mean, they won the women's lacrosse championship three years ago. Their softball team was in the women's college world series last year. Their women's college basketball team is f- very familiar with making the NCAA tournament. Like, those teams are still going to be very competitive and win those conferences and make those same kind of appearances in those other districts. And then you're going to be throwing more money at them and it can only help. So I, I, I don't see the reason not to go. This is, you say the debate, we don't even have the debate again. It ain't a debate between you and I, you know that. And it's, yeah, I want to see them go up because I want to stop having the argument about football. <laughs> I just come play for the same trophy and then let's talk. Yes. Because we're not winning it either. <laughs> well, but again, I just I think it helps recruiting. I think it helps everything. I think moving up helps everything, except that you get to claim you won some meaningless trophy in football. That's the only thing that changes. You can't claim uh, a junior title. And for you who says JMU beating Virginia Tech is a bigger deal than them winning the national trophy national championship, I I don't generally say that. I don't really think that way, but. If that's true, like you think it, it is, is then it's a much bigger deal. JMU got much more attention on the national stage by beating Virginia Tech than they ever did winning either of their national championships. And folks, JMU fans will admit that. They'll admit, oh, that's the biggest win we have in program history. That's the cool. Because, and you know how I know they think that, Leland? Because they won't stop talking about it. <laughs> so, proof is in the pudding. Your FCS national championship trophy doesn't mean anything take them and throw them in the trash the day you move up they don't mean anything it's that it's that district title for the team down in greenville these days yeah they don't care they're gonna take that district trophy and be like cool trash state championships is what we play for like jmu needs to be like cool fcs trophy trash now we're gonna move up and play in the fbs win it win that conference that's your goal Hey, they're changing the playoff system. Be one of the highest six-ranked conference champions, and you get to go play in that playoff now. So, or in the near future. Go do that. 
Go do that now. Don't wait until that playoff starts. Do it now so you're ready when that system comes in. But I would love to hear if Bourne's been on the phone call, like try, like actively trying to. Yeah, and he might be. He might be. I know. I know. There's a lot of anger. Don't know it until it happens. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of anger at you know, flow sports deals and all kinds of stuff in the CAA. But again, that's again. Let me just say this: If you're in an FBS conference, you know, you know what? You're not going to be on flow sports. It was funny watching that the basketball tournament this weekend, and JMU had that alumni team, and their Twitter account was like, "Yeah, if you want to watch JMU, like JMU people play basketball and not have to watch flow sports, you know, turn to ESPN right now." And it's yeah, that's it. What I need, what, what I know that you need to know, and it's kind of a second what is dominating my life, and in, in reality is, I just started watching a show on FX, uh, but I've been watching it on Hulu to catch up called what we do in the shadows and it's a comedy about vampires um it's actually a really funny show uh, i i would just say watch it um the guy who is i think his name's nate in the office warehouse worker oh like the uh, like dwight brought him in yeah he was like got stumped by all those bees that one time yep 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 that. he was the one who chose poorly in the bees yeah He's on that show, and he plays kind of a similar, boring character, and he is described as an emotional, or uh, energy vampire. Sorry, energy vampire. And basically, unlike the other vampires who are your traditional suck blood out of humans and kill them to get their energy, he will get it just by talking to people and draining their energy by being boring or getting them angry or something like that. And so, in fact, the latest one, <laughs> the latest episode I just watched before I came up, I just just started laughing cuz he's like, uh, it's not as much as, you know, in face to face, but you can really get a lot of bang for your buck on this social media when you get on there. And he's got like all these different laptops and he's got these burner accounts and he's just commenting like stuff just to enrage people on stuff and uh get them mad on social media. And he goes, when they call you a dumbass, you know you've got them. And so he's just he's getting on there and he's reading their comments like, oh, that's really racist. And he goes, oh, yes, it is. <laughs> and he types back another response just to keep getting them angrier and angrier. And I just it was funny because I'm like, uh, it's so true. That's what we have now. So be on the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's funny. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It's not something I would watch in front of kids. There is enough on the on there that's Yeah, I'm not gonna watch the vampire show in front of my Well, it's not because it's scary. I wouldn't say it's because it's scary. I, w- I would be worried about the content of the show in terms of dialogue. DMA. Uh, I'm I'm solid. I yeah. didn't need that. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> um but it is funny if you have a chance to watch it. Um but I would I would recommend it. I laughed. So that will do it for us this week on the Yak Sports Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment. Tell us what you'd like us to be talking about in addition to the Olympics. Uh, We've got about a month before high school football will kick off, so... I, I know Leland will try to push me on it, but I'm going to try to avoid talking about it every single week in the lead up because I just don't want to 
rehash the same po- talking points over and over again. But I'll be ready to talk about it every single week, but yeah, we don't have to. So please give us ideas so I can tell Leland, no, we don't have time for that. Um, and we will be back next week. So until then, folks, we hope, again, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.